What are cryptocurrencies? Hey, hey, hey. What are NFTs? A non-fungible token. Time to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin just seems like a scam. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Bitcoin! Hello everyone and welcome back to On The Ledger. This is your host Mole Said, back once again on your weekly rendezvous from Paris. Today we have another pretty special episode. We'll be exploring Friends With Benefits, one of the most interesting projects in the space. FWB is where crypto meets culture. It's a token-gated social DAO powered by a community of creators and thinkers bound together by shared values and incentives. In other words, FWB is a concrete example of Web3 club memberships. And it's fair to say that it's one of the hottest pieces of crypto property at the moment. If you're having trouble grasping the concept, don't worry, sit back and relax, because we've got the perfect guest to walk you through it. I'm glad to welcome Alex Zhang for the first time on the podcast. Alex describes himself as the mayor of FWB. He's a creative human coordination specialist who thinks a lot about how humans organize online and ways to merge digital with in real life experiences. Alex, welcome to On The Ledger. How are you doing? Did I do it right with that intro? <laughs> that was perfect. That wasn't it. That was that was probably the best. Uh, that was one of the best outside descriptions I've gotten of myself that I actually felt like you know I, I resonated with. Cool. I feel privileged. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, but yeah, really, really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, pretty stoked to jam with you. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get started. From Paris, this is On The Ledger, Season 2, Episode 3, The Past, Present and Future of Friends With Benefits. Here we go. So let's start with our not-so-stupid questions. Alex, how would you explain FWB to the folks who are not familiar with it? Yeah, so Friends With Benefits is a social token um, that brings together folks who sit at the intersection of crypto and culture. I think the biggest difference... uh, with friends with benefits and sort of other sort of social communities or social movements is that to participate in friends with benefits, you have to hold a token, uh, an ERC 20 token that, um, trades on, on decentralized exchanges and has a liquid value in a way that it actually has sort of a hard, um, sort of cost, uh, to ownership with it. And the idea that we're really experimenting with over here and what we're really playing with is does owning a piece of the house or does owning a piece of the platform make you a better contributor or a better community member? And does it, does that sort of alignment of ownership and incentives uh, and, and that, and that sort of that potential for collective upside, does that change how you interact within a, within a community environment? And so, you know, friends with benefits currently is, is anything from a, you know, web three co-op all the way to sort of a, you know, tokenized social club or community, but we like to think of it as a digital city, which is where sort of my role as our mayor comes into play is, is it's just simply my job to sort of facilitate um, and coordinate the amazing 2000 members that we, we, we really look at as sort of citizens or community members who are building all these incredible projects and tools and artworks and experiences, you know, within, within FWB as, uh, as, as our city or as our home. That's interesting. And Friends with Benefits is also a DAO. Um, what is a DAO? Yeah, so the easiest way that I, I like to think about a DAO is, is, is it's, it's, it's a community with a shared bank account. Um, and, and, and our DAO specifically uh, is, is, is comprised of about 2,000 members 
we 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 use it a DAO in a way that uh, creates sort of ultimate transparency around our community's use of funds. So anyone in our community is able to sort of see and look into all of our on-chain uh, transaction history and, 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 and actions taken. Um, but more interestingly, and on a more deep, deeper sort of human level, you can think of a DAO as a group of humans working together and coordinating um, in, in a non-hierarchical structure and in a much more sort of a networked, um, you know, network leadership structure in a way that it's about empowering individual groups and teams of people to be accomplishing uh, shared goals and, and, and using the value of DAOs being, you know, on-chain transparency, voting mechanisms, um, you know, coordination mechanisms to, 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 to accomplish shared goals. And so I, 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 I love thinking about DAOs as no different than you can think of them as like C-Corps or LLCs, almost like business uh, or organizational structures. But the fundamental difference is that a DAO is, is, is in my mind, um, implemented to be community owned uh, in, in terms of, um, you know, a DAO could equal essentially, you know, a cooperative model uh, where the stakeholders are different and the incentives are different uh, because the community has a lot more transparency and ownership. Yeah, that's, I think, like the fact that now you can have community owned uh, structures that are driven by shared values and incentives is revolutionary. And FWB is kind of the, the living proof of uh, the ability of this technology to make these projects come to life and and exist and and, and thrive. W was it your first DAO experience? Yeah, first one. How was that? You know, you always remember your first. It was uh, it was quite novel and a lot like a very sort of steep, but yet yet quick learning curve. Um, but I remember for me. Once it clicked, it, it, it kind of changed my entire perspective of the world around me. It was one of those sort of aha moments that I think a lot of people who work in crypto have, right? When it, when crypto finally clicks and you're like, oh my God, it's, it's so much more than an industry. It's like an underlying infrastructure that can be applied to everything. And so, you know, my background is in um, community organizing. I, I was at a community company called Summit. Uh, where we had 25,000 community members all over the world and, and through events and experiences. And uh, one of our most notable projects was coming together to crowdfund and purchase a ski resort in Utah. And so really seeing the possibilities when humans come together with a shared goal um, has always been sort of fundamental to, to who I am. I used to run a radio station I, in college and my on-campus sort of, you know, a startup accelerator program. So I've always loved uh, multidisciplinary, multi-hyphenate people and and when those people come together. And so Summit was sort of a large scale uh, example of that. And 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 the challenge is that the tools in Web2 never really existed to to enable this large scale coordination or pooling of capital or, 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 or sort of governance structures. And so, yeah, my first DAO experience, um, once, you've, once you sort of sift your way through all the abbreviations and, and jargon, you kind of realize it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of a fundamental framework that can be applied to so many things in the past where it was an aha moment from every, you know, rave or party I threw in college all the way to university days, all the way to, you know, large scale conference event, community organize, organizing where you can just see the, how the benefits of, of having community owned um, verticals uh, really, really makes so much sense because it just drives value to the network as opposed to the corporate, uh, the explicit corporate entity. Yeah, definitely. I'm, and I'm actually curious about how the project was pitched to you. 
like how how I don't know what was it Trevor I don't know who approached you but at the end of the day like you 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 kind of decided to leave everything behind and go on this adventure how was the how was the project pitched to you and was the pitch uh, similar to what FWB has become yeah um Trevor Trevor and I have been just good 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 pals for for a handful of years now and have always just kind of stayed in touch over the years on different uh you know creative projects and I think what we both really um appreciate in each other is 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 the is the the intersection of sort of technology and culture and and sort of a deep understanding and an interest in both and where they overlap and so when when you know he started posting about it and and, and started sharing what, what what he had sort of started with friends with benefits and at the time I think it was you know maybe like 600 uh, people in a token gated discord and and about seven uh, sort of founding team members who had come together um, over the last six months uh, to, to sort of manage the community um, I, I immediately was was interested not necessarily because of the technology although I found it fascinating but really what initially struck me was the was the people inside of the organization. I'm, I'm very much a people first sort of organizer. And like, you know, the Friends of Benefits tech stack is by no means sophisticated or innovative, right? It was, it was uh, sure, you know, it, there was an ERC-20 token, um, but it was to me like joining, you know, Trevor first inviting me to join the community and me coming in as a community member and seeing, uh, you know, just one, so many old friends from so many different walks of life and industries who were hanging out in a discord during COVID, I just thought was so novel. It was, you know, my homies from music and fashion and art and tech and all of them having weird pseudonyms and, 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 and you know, avatar pictures and everyone was just hanging out, you know, essentially being, uh, you know, DJs in a discord channel. And I remember thinking, wow, the internet is fun again. Like it was almost like every night I would, I would be logging on and just like hanging out in this, and then the Discord, I didn't even use Discord before, um, which is when I knew there was something special. And so when Trevor and I started chatting and then, you know, he sort of, you know, quote unquote, pitched me just to join and, and, and sort of help out. I think we both just, it was unspoken where I think we both just saw the potential. I think we both were like, this could be really big because him and I have both participated in a lot of different scenes and we like to sort of move fluidly between different scenes. And I, and, and I personally have always been really interested in like that balance between what makes a scene a scene, you know, what starts a movement, what starts an artistic movement around a really cool punk band in a certain city or, 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 you know, what, what, when did Silicon Valley become a scene and like, how did it become a scene and sort of what are those like cultural, like textures that like connect sort of early scene formation and, and and just as a nerd i've sort of studied a lot of these early scenes throughout history from like you know gertrude stein paris salon culture to like you know 70s 80s new york and, and all the classic sort of examples and and i've always been interested in like what you know how were those formed but more importantly how do those die you know what what happens because all great scenes come and go and, it, and it's interesting to think about like that relationship in sort of an urban context as well, where you can take something like New York and you can take something like Brooklyn where, you know, Williamsburg 15 years ago was like popping. Right. And it was like super cutty, great artists. And then, you know, what, what, what you typically see in this cycle of gentrification is, you know, tech culture or tech and money tend to want to co-op culture. And so then they start to buy real estate, invest in real estate, ultimately driving 
prices up. The artists didn't have any ownership because they were all renting. They didn't have any liquidity. Artists get pushed out into further and further neighborhoods. And then before you know it, you have a neighborhood like Willingsburg where a majority of it just feels like you're in a giant outdoor shopping mall with 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 no you know sort of remnants of of culture, right? Except for the artists who purchased land, purchased homes and, and owned and had equity in, in, in those neighborhoods. And so I've always been interested in like that dynamic and that relationship. And then what does that look like in a digital context where you see the same thing with 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 culture, with 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 social media, right? Take early clubhouse, right? Early clubhouse was like such heavy hitting culture. And it was, it was, it was like my all the all the all the greatest, brightest minds hanging out on this audio app. And and I think what you saw was once it started to scale, you started to see a lot of those people leave because the, the, the same thing, the gentrification of it all, right? Um, and there's, you know, pe- there's still people who do great talks. I love their team, but I think you you watch these cycles and they're happening faster and faster. And so Trevor and I were just interested in this experiment of what happens if you give actual ownership to those early creators? Are they more willing to stay? Are they more willing to actually raise their hand and be like, hey, I don't agree with this direction, but I'm here to help steer it back on course in a way that I think is responsible or, uh, you know, how can we create more sort of collective innovation or collaboration to like maintain the, the, the sort of the ethics and the, and the vibe of a certain space. And so that was really the fundamental test and the vision that we both played around with a lot was like one watching artists on this consistent treadmill running and running, not generating, you know, any amount of ownership and equity in their projects and feeling really frustrated by that. And at the same time, watching most of the cultural production that artists drove, being co-opted and gentrified by sort of external stakeholders that ultimately price them out from the actual thing that they helped create. And so the idea is, 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 is how do we actually give ownership to those creatives where in the beginning, you know, FWB was primarily, you know, an early scene, right. And now as the token prices has, has, has grown, they all have, you know, they've all retained that equity and, and watched that value accrue to a network that they got to participate and contribute into. So I think we'll come back to that, but yeah. I want to circle back first to something you said. It's an analogy that actually speaks a lot of truth. FWB feels to me as a member like it's a huge city. It's come becoming a big city with different neighborhoods, people and interests. You have the DeFi people, you have the metaverse people, you have the NFT and if you go in a certain channel it feels like it's a different neighborhood and it, you know, with a different culture or subculture, you know. So What's your vision with regards to the evolution of these neighborhoods? Like, what are the projects you're currently focusing on? Because, like, from what I see is that there are many different ideas coming out of FWB. How do we prioritize? Yeah, that's a great, that's such an amazing question because it's, it's kind of what I spend most of my time thinking about, honestly, over the last, over the last couple of, of weeks. There's a couple of framings around how, you know, we're, we're sort of collectively building this vision, which is one... I think it's our job or specifically my job as the lead um, or, or, or the mayor to not set a top-down vision, but to create frameworks and permits and regulations for community members to build on top of within a framework, right? And I think that fundamental like understanding that this the, the global success of FWB as a whole will be determined by the semi-autonomy and the flavor and the patterns that sort of emerge from these individual parts or these individual neighborhoods. And so in a normal company, you would be like, what? I need to like focus on every single one of these new product launches would be like, I don't know, a startup kind of framing of it. But instead, that, 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 that a leader is driving. But instead, it's more like, 
I feel like I'm gardening, you know, more than, than I'm sort of architecting or building and that it's often like, okay, there's this neighborhood that really feels like it's starting to bubble up and, and evolve and grow outside of the box. Take for example, our, you know, NFT channels where like the activity is absolutely off the charts and the number of messages being sent is like completely unfollowable by any outsider beyond the like active 30 to 40 people who are like essentially driving and building most of the in trading and, and evaluating NFT art. And it's seeing that as an opportunity to then give them the tools and the framework and the funding and, 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 and the, the resources to then establish themselves as their own neighborhood with their own local governance structure, their own product tools and suites that they customize for their local neighborhood or their local community. And so the vision of FWB really is to me, a meshing or a network of interconnected and interdependent neighborhoods that revolve from everything between a fashion, you know, fashion manufacturing DAO, which is starting to the metaverse DAO to, you know, uh, to the, to the NFT DAO, to the, to the, to the trading crypto DeFi DAO that all sorts of operate as sort of these sub DAOs, these semi-autonomous structures. But the beauty in, in web three is the value accruing to the token. So FWB becomes the, the, the FWB token becomes the, the silver, the golden thread or the, the sort of the shared incentives, any value that any of these, um, you know, substructures add, it adds to the overall, you know, thing that's linking them with these other substructures, which, which is the FWB token, which is super smart. Um, so one other thing related to, you were mentioning structures and, 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 um, programs to enable, uh, these different, uh, you know, subgroups and substructures that you have with some within FWB to, you know, work together in harmony. Could you, there was the hackathon, maybe you could speak more to that or what, what other types of tools do you, uh, are you putting in place? Or are you, you know, planning to put in place in the future to enable these, uh, these different groups to work and collaborate in harmony? Yeah. So we formed a sort of proposal um, review team of community members who are not right now working on creating proposal formats and templates and channels so that anyone with proposal ideas for how certain channels could become their own structures can submit a proposal and the team will work with you to develop that proposal in relationship with our with the leadership to evaluate if it's a good opportunity and then bring it to the larger community for a vote. And so I think first it's education and communication, right? It's, it's, it's coming out publicly and saying, we welcome all collaboration and innovation and like establishment of these sub communities and structures. And so that is the town halls that we do every two weeks. That's our messaging that that's, that's like creating examples of, of successful sub DAOs that have formed. Um, and then in terms of the actual tools itself, it's often lending the organizational chart framework to show people how they can sort of replicate it on their own. You know, to an extent, our, our, our five or six existing teams already are, are operating sort of semi-autonomously. We have an editorial team that just launched an editorial platform called Works in Progress, and we're, we're sort of, where they put out long form features and writing on, on how Web3 is affecting the creative class and, 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 and what Web3 means, like, means on a global level. And they have a team of writers, a team of editors, a team of graphics, and they just run that almost like an autonomous unit and they have a budget that the community sort of approves every single month. Same with product, same with events, same with city DAOs. So the framework has been built. Now it's about helping sort of grow that into the right pockets that have the right recipe for success, which to me is like a mixture between activity, 
sort of clear leadership that's that's bubbled up within that channel. Some someone who's sort of an expert and has raised their hand. I think leaders like representative. I always say FWB is a representative democracy, not a direct democracy. It's not a thousand people making a thousand decisions, but a thousand people electing one or two people on a time frame to make decisions on behalf of that group. So it's creating the voting structures to allow for groups to sort of self-identify and elect leaders to, to sort of represent the, the interests of those specific channels. And so it's really a mix between education and communication, as well as giving people like frameworks um, so that they can sort of create proposals that then receive funding. And then, you know, a little bit of handholding right now still, because it's early from the leadership team like myself to help nurture them into existence. That's a good point. And speaking of handholding, you know, we've spoken about culture, but not enough about crypto, which is kind of the complex half of the equation. How do you approach onboarding creators or people who might not be very familiar with the crypto space? You have blockchains, tokens, wallets, seed phrases, security measures. It's a lot to take at once when you think of it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think high level, right? If, if sort of DeFi brought the last 50 million users of crypto, I think the next 500 million users of crypto are going to come from culture, right? NFTs, DAOs, arts, music, sports, entertainment, culture, broad umbrella of culture. And so I think one, um, we have to assume that the technology for adoption is 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 going to only consistently improve and improve. It's it's by no means perfect right now. It's still way too complicated. Um, it's it's still way too challenging. But I think there needs to be improvements across both technology, but also language. I think even communicating to to creatives and and people in Web two, getting away from these jargons and, and abbreviations of like even NFTs, DAOs, even tokens all sound really kind of foreign and technical. And I think that there needs to be a little bit more uh, and, and better sort of branding across the entire ecosystem, I think, to make it a little bit more accessible. Um, but but I find that for us and, and FWB and sort of the secret sauce that we found is one, most of the people joining FWB aren't in crypto. They're sort of creatives who who, 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 have, who have been hearing about NFTs and, and DAOs, but never quite resonated with, with a lot of the sort of let's say DeFi brands um, out there, but instead have, have found sort of FWB as a brand that they resonate and feel a little bit more comfortable and inclusive with. And, and so it's, 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 it's first like bridging that gap um, between from a language and a branding perspective. And then I think two, what's beautiful at FWB is we right now take a very handholding manual approach because we think right now it's what's needed. I think, you know, it's a huge barrier to jump the thought of a seed phrase that if you lose it forever, you lose all of your assets, that all these things that I think can, can, can quite terrify people, you know, FWB has a manual onboarding process called co-pilots, where we essentially have community members who have raised their hands, who are there to onboard future community members to teach them how to set up cold storage, how to, you know, how, how, how to join uh, and, and how to connect your wallet to Discord, all these basic, but when, when, but when, when new to the industry can be quite daunting, um, sort of tasks and then working with uh, the right community stakeholders and, 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 and partners like Ledger, you guys have been like so supportive to date on like, how do we create better material and literature and education and workshops so that we can just raise awareness, um, you know, sort of step by step. And, and, and then I think it's just a function of time. Uh, I think it's no secret that FWB has been quite the success. Community is growing, tokens near at all time high. Um, but this comes at a cost. Most probably uh, people out there are priced out of the full membership. Um, how do you make sure FWB scales and remains accessible to newcomers in the future? Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're definitely a victim of our own success here, right? And that I think with, with high, it's called, you know, the social token paradox, where when you, when, when, when one more people want to join, the price goes up, it actually prices out 
the people you want, right? The creatives who definitely can't afford um, the current entrance fee in the FWB, which is, you know, 75 tokens. Um, and, and, and the long-term strategy of where we're, of what we're working toward and, and what I think solves and mitigates this is really viewing, um, you know, the FWB token and as, as, as truly a diverse ecosystem of different access points. And so right now, sure, it's one dimensional, right? It's you hold 75 and then you access the FWB discord. We've already started to experiment with different tiers, right? We've, we launched one FWB gets you access to the newsletter where you can read sort of the, the best content and the best sort of discussions from the community on a weekly basis. Um, the community just passed a proposal uh, last week where we're going to be introducing a new tier called FWB Local that, 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 that combines our events as well as our city DAOs, like our city programs, where you get to participate in city governance with FWB members at five FWB. And so the answer is the community creating more and more diversified tiers and access points ranging from 0.1 FWB in the future, if FWB becomes, I don't know, a thousand, you know, dollars per token and all the way up to, you know, whatever the price for full membership will be on a consistent dynamic and inciting scale based on the market. I think that's what's most interesting to me, right? It's no different than if we keep running with the city analogy for, for starters, you know, you, you, you move to New York, you move to Paris, you move to LA because you want proximity to culture, right? Better food, better restaurants, better museums, better people, you know, whatever, better subjective, but access to culture. And you pay a premium for that. Rent in New York is significantly higher than, than, than rent in a small town in, 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 in Missouri. And so we think of FWB as no different where you're paying a premium to access higher access to culture. But then the key with the city is you let market dynamics play out, right? If someone wants to open a new restaurant and they want to charge a really high exorbitant fee for it, but they can command that because of access, because, because of, because of quality. Great. But if someone wants to open up something that's, that's, that's way more accessible and charge 0.5 FWB to access it, that should also be encouraged and incentivized. So it's, I think the long-term strategy for friends with benefits as a token is, is really a myriad of market-based uh, sort of access points or thresholds that, that community members get to set to as they produce different experiences. And naturally, the community will be able to, to, to gravitate towards different products and services and experiences that they resonate with. So no different than in New York, if you want to live on the Upper East Side, it's going to cost a lot more money than if you want to live in Bushwick. But you decide where you want to live, and the FWB token just becomes cultural currency that connects all of the different dots and all of the different access points. I love this explanation. So it's time to move to our last segment of the show. This is a tip for a crypto first grader. So as someone who's deeply involved in DAO management, um, what would be your advice to the folks who are looking to get involved in DAOs? Uh, you know, what type of profiles are needed at the moment? What skills do they need to develop? Anything you can basically put out there. Yeah. So uh, a couple, a couple points. I think one, the best way to break into the DAO space is just pick a DAO that you really resonate with and just start contributing. Uh, I think, you know, right now the pathways and the rails to contribute are, are, are not super clear, right? It's not as easy as going to a job application site and seeing what available roles are open and applying. Like, you know, I wish it were that, but the, the challenge is the DAO space moves really quickly. And I think it's, it's no different, you know, it's sort of identify who, is in a hiring sort of position at, at, at a specific DAO, who maybe the leaders, maybe the founders, maybe the community managers, reach out, say hello and, and make yourself stand out, right? Like, like share your profile, share your background, 
don't just say, Hey, I want to help, but be like, here's what I want to help with. Here's a project idea, like do your homework, right? Once you, once you sort of get there, I think the biggest profiles that almost every single DAO needs is, you know, what I like to call like community oriented project managers. It's, it's people who are really good at working with people and people who are really good at communicating people are really good at speaking people who are really good at like, you know, getting and corralling and incentivizing groups of humans to do things together. Um, and, That's a very and, interesting point because I think most people out there think that they need huge technical knowledge in order to work in crypto or in DAOs. So yeah, that's a good message. You don't exactly. need to be a technical guru to work in the DAO. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I'm not. I'm not a technical guru, and I think that like it really. There, here's the thing. There's a huge supply, I think, of developers and designers and creatives and and technical people in crypto because those technical people have been in crypto over the last five years. I think what's missing is people who are able to sort of bridge and connect culture with crypto and web two with web three and, and, and the people who can manage and, 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 and work with designers and technologists and creatives. So it's almost more like coming into a, a DAO and saying, Hey, what's on your product roadmap? What do you want to build? And then how can I help you scale your time as the leader to build that for you and compensate me, of course, but you know, I'll help hire. I'll help, I'll help find community, you know, members inside of your community who, who have the right skills, but it's sort of like product minded community managers or product minded product managers, um, who can really, I think, drive projects from start to finish, um, that you don't even need to have a deep understanding of, of, of technology. Cause, cause I think crypto actually, or web three actually is, 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 is not as steep of a learning curve as you think once you get in the mix. And last question. Uh, where could people find, uh, like, how do you recruit an FWB? If someone wants to work with you guys, do you have like a website or do you have somewhere they, they can find like, the, I don't know, whatever, whatever you guys need? Yeah. Um, right now we have a website. I believe we're actually spinning up a, a whole like application page shortly of like different roles we're always looking to fill. Um, but yeah, I think in the meantime, in across different categories, like for instance, um, our editorial on our, on our editorial website, if you want, if you're an amazing writer, we're looking to onboard more writers. Um, but, but for right now, we're mostly prioritizing sort of hiring from, you know, within the community and then just, you know, as great people reach out on Twitter, uh, DMs we're hiring, but we're, that's actually a big thing we're looking to solve right now is creating a much better on-ramping process for, for talent to come in, to come on board. Cool. Well, Alex, it's been a pleasure shouting with you. Hope to see you soon in Paris. Yes. Thanks, Mel. Appreciate it. See ya. That's it. If you want to learn more about FWB, be sure to check their website and Discord out. And if you want to explore crypto and NFTs, we've got you covered with Ledger Academy, School of Block, and we've also launched a brand new show called Down the Rabbit Hole. So be sure to check that out as well. This was Under Ledger from Paris with your host Mohd Said. Take care. Au revoir. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.